So let me just get a couple things. Okay, so the title of my sermon today is God's Kingdom and My Bowl of Cheerios. And growing up, I never had time to sit down and eat breakfast during the weekdays. Um, I love breakfast food like eggs and bacon and hash browns and breakfast buffets. For those of you who went to YSMP, you know, on the last uh, Saturday, we go to that buffet and it is just, it's heaven like the, the donuts and the eggs and everything there. But uh, I guess growing up, I, I always felt rushed in the morning. Uh, my dad would always pour three bowls of cereal for my two brothers and I, and we would eat in the car ride on the way to school. So we never had time to eat cereal at home. And on the car ride there, like during the turns, we would have to tilt our cereal bowls a certain direction to avoid it from spilling out of our laps. And if we couldn't finish our um, breakfast or cereal by the time we got to school, <laughs> sometimes my dad would have to finish the cereal for us. But um, if he couldn't, <laughs> he would just dump it like on the ground or something. Um, even now, nowadays, uh, being married and being at home, I don't spend a lot of time eating breakfast. I scarf down a bowl of cereal and I move on with my day. I don't really give it much thought, but if I stop to think about something as simple as a bowl of Cheerios, is it not God who provides daily sustenance for me? Isn't it God who gives me this bowl of Cheerios? We might think, no, that was me. I, pull, uh, I poured a bowl of uh, cereal and some milk. That, that was me. But if we take the Lord's prayer seriously, that God provides our daily bread, this is the same God who provides a bowl of cereal. And it's crazy because the Lord's Prayer, the first half, it focuses on the grand, the grandness, the majesty of God. But in the second half of the Lord's Prayer, it talks about our everyday needs that might seem small compared to the majesty and kingdom of God. And so it's an, it's an enormous contrast to the God whose name we treat as holy, the God whose kingdom we see to be established, and the God whose will we seek to obey. It's also the same God who provides us something as small as a bowl of cereal. And so it's a large contrast, and um, that's why I'm excited to preach about uh, the Lord's Prayer today, because we see so much of a contrast, and it shows how great God is. And so that's just a little intro to get us into, get our minds framed for um, today's sermon. But let me give you guys a little recap. Maybe not all of you were here last week, but uh, we are now in the Lord's Prayer, and so here's a little bit of um, some context for the Lord's Prayer. And so first... I want you guys to know that Lord's Prayer, it's in the book of Matthew, which is in a historical account. It was written to show that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, he was sent by God to save the world from their sin. That's the whole purpose of uh, the book of Matthew. And secondly, that the Lord's Prayer, it occurs at the heart of the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount. And this is the most famous sermon given by Jesus. And it's arguably the best sermon in history because Jesus was the one who preached it. And so the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's a model. It's a pattern for how we ought to pray and what uh, we should pray for. And so here, that's a little bit of context for the Lord's Prayer. I didn't share this last week, but I think having a structure for understanding the Lord's Prayer can be helpful. So my next slide, I want to share uh, how I'm structuring the Lord's Prayer. So hopefully it's uh, helpful for you guys to understand. But let's start off with this, that last week, we started off with the proper address, that in the, in the Lord's Prayer, 
we address God as our Father in heaven. He has many names, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Savior, Judge, but in the Lord's Prayer, we're called and invited to address God as Father. It's a very intimate and special privilege. And so the second um, section is, we go, there's six petitions, which is like a request in the Lord's Prayer. The first three focus our hearts to arrive at this place where we say, behold our God, how great God is. And that's what the first three petitions are centered around. Hallowed be your name, uh, which is to treat God's name as holy. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're going to go through today. And so the first half of the Lord's Prayer, it's centered on the glory of God, on the majesty of God. But the next three petitions are centered on our physical and spiritual needs. And it causes us to say, Lord, we need you, or God, we need you. So the first three petitions is, wow, behold our God. And the second half, this is when we plead to God, Lord, we need you, provide for us. And that's when we see the next three petitions. Give us, the, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so last week, we already went through our Father in heaven, the first and second petition. Today, we're going to go through, um, or we only went through the first petition last week. Today, we're going to go through petition two, three, and four. And the next week, we'll finish with uh, five and six. So each petition, it builds off of one another. And so hopefully, this structure helps you understand the Lord's Prayer from a, a bird's eye view. And as we go deeper, you can have this picture in the back of your mind to know um, how I'm um, framing it for you guys. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, uh, feel free to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 6. We'll be in there again uh, this week and next week. Matthew chapter 6. And as you're turning there, I want to read the entire Lord's Prayer again, as I did last week. I think it's good to see it in a complete unit. So Matthew chapter 6. And I want to start in chapter 6, verse 7. Here's what it says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm going to stop there. So we're going to start off today with petition two and three. So we're still in the first uh, chunk of behold our God. All right, so in petition number two, we see your kingdom come. Now, we first have to ask, what is God's kingdom? Is it like a castle, like a physical location, or a realm like uh, the northern kingdom or something like that? Or is it or is a kingdom like God's people, like the church or uh, the citizens of a kingdom? Now, those things may be true for God's kingdom, but we first want to say that God's kingdom refers to God's rule or reign. 
This is what we want to say when we talk about God's kingdom. And so God's rule or reign, it will transform a people, Christians, and it could find expression in certain locations like uh, churches or in, in Walnut. But ultimately, God's kingdom, it's defined by his rule or reign. It's not restricted to just a physical area or building. All right. Now that we know what God's kingdom is, what does it mean when we pray your kingdom come? What are we actually asking God to do? Is God's kingdom, is it here? Uh, is, are we still waiting for it? What is God's kingdom? And so I want to argue from the Bible that it is both. God's kingdom is both here, but it's also still in process of being fully revealed. And some theologians call this already not yet. That God's kingdom is both already here, but it's not yet fully revealed. All right, so let's look at the already section. The kingdom of God is already here. It has already been inaugurated. It's already been initiated by Jesus when he began his ministry. Uh, if you guys remember when we preached through the book of Mark, I believe, maybe a year ago, when Jesus began his earthly ministry, the first words he would say to the crowds was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so the purpose of God's kingdom is to redeem and rescue sinners from their sin. And God does this by sending his son Jesus on earth to live a perfect life, to die for the sins of many. And so Jesus secures the gift of salvation to be part of his kingdom. So in a sense, the kingdom of God, it's here. It's available. In fact, some of you are in God's kingdom right now if you are a Christian. Some of you can participate in the kingdom of God and you can call God Father because you are saved and you can live as citizens of heaven. So in that sense, God's kingdom, it is here. But in another sense, we know that God's kingdom, it's not fully fulfilled or completed. God's kingdom is here, but is not yet revealed. And if you are a Christian and you are actively living under the rule of King Jesus, we know that the invisible kingdom, it's not yet revealed in its full glory. We're still waiting for Jesus to return a second time. That right now, Jesus is ruling at the right hand of God, but we long for him to return a second time to earth in full glory with the sound of a trumpet, with his angels to rescue the repentant, to rescue the believers, but to punish the unrepentant, to punish the God-haters, to make all things new, creating a new heavens and a new earth. This is what we are waiting for and longing for in God's kingdom. So in that sense, God's kingdom, it's not yet here fully. All right, so in that sense, it's both. God's kingdom is already not yet. So what do we still, the question is, what are you really asking when we say your kingdom come? God, your, your kingdom come. We acknowledge that God's kingdom is here. But we still long for God's kingdom to expand. We still long for God to transform the hearts of those around the world. We still long for God to return to judge the world and to rescue believers. And I think 2020, there is no other time like this where we really long for his kingdom to come. Look at 2020. The world is not right. Look at how COVID has turned everything upside down. Tomorrow, we should have been hiking with some of you, but COVID shut that down. 
but it's not just a hike that's you know a leisurely activity, but it's also uh, taking lives. It's filling hospital beds with patients. It's uh, changing the way we do church, changing the, the way we do school, restaurants, sports are canceled, band season is canceled, all your clubs are virtually online. And so all this time living in a different way, for some of us, maybe uh, we're more lonely at home. We, we miss that social interaction. Um, in 2020, look at all the other racial relations that's happened uh, in the world. Thinking back to back early in the year with the George Floyd murder and how much that sparked protests and conversations about, um, about racism and treating each other equally. And most recently, think about even the elections, how polarizing that's been in the real world, but also in the church. And so it's in 2020 where we truly, maybe at an even deeper level can say, Lord, I want your kingdom to come. God, this is not life as you created it to be. It is a fallen, broken earth. God, I want you to come on earth. Lord, I want your kingdom to emerge. And so this is what we're praying for, that God's kingdom would expand and make its mark here on earth. You know, this past uh, Tuesday, every Tuesday we have a pastoral staff meeting. Uh, we talked about a, a secular uh, poll that came out uh, by Gallup. I think it's a global anal analytics firm uh, for leaders and organizations. So they poll a bunch of different things. And uh, they released a poll that kind of surveyed Americans on their mental health. And unsurprisingly, from 2019 to 2020, Americans across the board have declined in their mental health. But there was one group that had a higher percentage in their mental health. In fact, they actually increased in their self-assessment. And it was those who attended weekly religious services. And, you know, it's a secular website, so we don't know if it was talking about Christians or other religions, but um, as Christians here, we do believe that the Christian faith is the only way, truth, and the life. But does that reveal something about the place of the church in this fallen world? Can the church be the source of hope? Can the church reflect the kingdom of God and offer the message of salvation, which is true hope in a world where people literally are dying, either from COVID, either from suicide, from all this de depression, or they wish they were dead. Can the church reveal the hope that comes from the kingdom of God? Could each sermon, whether on Sundays and Fridays, reveal hope from the kingdom? Could your small groups actually reveal the hope and the good news of the kingdom. When we come together and gather as church, as citizens of heaven, could that be a reflection of the hope of the, of the kingdom? Why is it that church, for those who attended weekly church at, uh, each week, why was it that these people, uh, that they self-assessed themselves and they found themselves to be in a better mental health? Even reading more of that uh, article, it was interesting because right underneath like weekly uh, religious attendance, there was a question underneath, what about those who attended uh, church or services uh, like once a month or um, something like that? And it was interesting how similar it was to uh, all the other groups that were pulled that it didn't really make a difference. And I wonder if that says something about those who 
maybe they grew up at church, but maybe they're not as committed. They're not plugged in. They're neither here nor there that if you're kind of wishy-washy about church attendance, it really doesn't do much. You just have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. I wonder if it reveals that those who are committed to the Christian faith, those who are committed to the church body, it is those people who are thriving in a global pandemic. And so this is what we're asking for, that God's kingdom, it is offering hope to real Christians around the world. Are we a part of that? And so as we transition, this is the second petition, your kingdom come. As we transition to the third petition, let's remember the flow of thought. The first petition was that God's name would be hallowed, which is to treat his name as holy. And this extends and flows into that God's kingdom would come here on earth. But in order for that to happen, we also want to do the will of God. If we want God's kingdom to expand, we as citizens of that kingdom must be faithful to do the will of God. And this leads us to the next petition, which is this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the first question might be, well, what is God's will? We see God's will all the time in the Bible. It could mean different things. What does this mean? What is God's will? Uh, there's two definitions I want us to understand that we normally think of when God's will comes up. The first one is God's sovereign will, his absolute rule and decree over all things in existence. So this cannot be stopped or disobeyed. So anything that happens, whether it's uh, the way you're moving your head right now, or the number of earwax in your ears, the number of hairs on your head, or to bigger things like the movement of a world powers or political actions, anything and everything in world history happens according to God's sovereign will. This cannot be stopped or disobeyed. But Jesus is not talking about God's sovereign will in this moment. Otherwise, there'd be no purpose in praying that God's will would be done. It's going to happen anyways. What Jesus is referring to when we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is what we'll call God's revealed will. This is the commands that God desires for us to, to be, uh, desires for us to obey. And this can be ignored and this can be disobeyed. So God's commands like love your neighbor as yourself. We can disobey that. We can disobey the will of God. Uh, commands like love the Lord your God, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. These are commands that we can choose to ignore and disobey. And so what's different in God's revealed will is that we are praying that we can do the revealed will of God, that we can obey his commandments. And so when we pray this prayer, we're asking that God our Father would reshape our hearts, every single person, so that we might obey the revealed will or commandments of God and to obey them on earth as it is in heaven. That last phrase, it just says that there is a place where God's revealed will is perfectly obeyed. And that's in heaven. In heaven, the angels obey and glorify God perfectly. And all of heaven is eager to magnify the name of the Lord. But this is not the case on earth. This is not the case with our some of our family, some of our friends, uh, some of the celebrities and politicians out there, there are actually the majority of the world does not obey and follow 
God. And so this is what we're praying for, that we would, that God's will would be done and be obeyed on earth as it is in heaven. Let me give you uh, some application points before I move on to uh, the fourth petition. Um, let's see. And so application, I want to uh, have application for both petition number two and number three. And the first one is simply this. I just want to ask you, where are you from? Not a physical location, but are you from the kingdom of God or the kingdom of man? The kingdom of God refers to those who are saved and live their lives out of a love for God. But the kingdom of man are those who are not saved. Their life is powered by their love of self, following the pleasures of the world. And this might be maybe a straightforward question. Maybe I'm guessing most of you guys grew up in the church. Maybe for a lot of you guys, you might quickly think, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm part of God's kingdom. I prayed a prayer in second grade with my Sunday school teacher or my VBS teacher or at youth retreat. I, I know I'm, I'm part of the kingdom of God and I'm a believer. And so maybe it's a very quick answer for you, but I want to ask a follow-up question, which relates to uh, God's will being done. And one commentator puts the question like this. Do you live in a way that makes the invisible kingdom visible? Right now, I cannot see God's kingdom. I wish I had these supernatural glasses that allowed me to see the unseen realities of heaven, but I might be scared if I see demons or something. But I can't see God's invisible kingdom. But can I, I can live in a way that points to an invisible kingdom. And we just finished the book of James. So you remember that faith without works is dead. So if you claim to have genuine faith, is your life producing works? If you claim to be a Christian, are you living like one? It's as simple as that. Are you really saved if you don't live like a Christian? If I, let's say silly example, if I sell an apple tree, to you and you bring it home, but it doesn't grow apples. It grows bananas. You would say that's not an apple tree. That's a banana tree. Likewise, if you claim to be a Christian, but you don't live like one, it begs the question, are you truly saved? Do you truly have genuine faith if it doesn't result in a changed life? A changed heart must result in a changed life. Are you from the kingdom of God? Well, that has to, that must result in you striving to do the will of God. Notice I never said a perfect life, but a changing and a growing life. To do God's will is to reorient your life, to live for God. It might be imperfect, but at least you're moving in that direction. Let me give maybe a relevant example with finals coming up next week that you can live as a citizen of heaven as you study and prepare for finals. How can you be a testimony and represent well the kingdom of God? As finals heats up, there'll probably be friends or classmates who will want to share answers. They will maybe create group texts and invite you to these chats and they wanna know, hey, what did you get on this? What did you get on that? And they will say things like, oh, I, oh man, I'm so tired, can you just, I really need to pass in this class. My parents are going to kill me. And they ask for your help in sharing answers. And as a representative of God's kingdom and someone charged to do the will of God, what will you do? 
Will you give in and cheat and tarnish the reputation of God and his kingdom? Or will you remain faithful? It is better for you to get a B, I know maybe that sounds bad, but to maintain your integrity than for you to get an A, but cheat to get there. I mean, of course you could get an A if you did it out of honesty and more power to you, great job. I'm very happy for you, but I'm trying to make an argument here. It is better for you to get a B and be honest than for you to get an A and cheat to get there. The rest of the world, they might not care. They might not have the morals of the kingdom because they're still part of the kingdom of man. With finals coming up, if you truly are a Christian, will you live like one? Will you live in faithfulness and truth because we worship a God of truth? Or will you forsake God and destroy your Christian testimony and be like the rest of the world and participate in the cheating and the sharing of answers? Will you dishonor God this upcoming week? So that is one practical way where you can live and represent the kingdom of God well by doing his will, being honest in your dealings and interactions. Which kingdom are you a part of? How you live your life will determine that answer. So as we talk about this, I hope we realize this is a dangerous prayer to pray that God's kingdom would come, to pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, do you realize that is a dangerous prayer? You are saying, God, I gave you the keys to my life. You get to be in the driver's seat. Do you know that you are surrendering your own comforts, your own plans, your control, and you're giving it to God? So before we, next time we mumble through and speed through this prayer, slow down and remember, this is a dangerous prayer because our lives will be changed for the better and maybe scarier, but for the better and it will be changed. And maybe that's scary for some of you, but the reason we can live with such abandon for God's kingdom and so much trust in God's will is because God's going to take care of us. The world may hate you, but know that it hated Jesus first. But when you live like this, you have to know that God's going to take care of you. And that's going to point again to our next petition. Let me show you where we're at right now in the Lord's prayer. So we just went through the, the kingdom, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And after we pray this, we might realize, God, if I actually live my life for your will, what if I die? What if people hate me? What if I don't have any friends? Well, look at position number four. Can we know that God will provide our daily bread? Can we trust that God will provide for us and take care of us at the end of the day? That when we proclaim, behold our God, at the end of it, we know that, Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you to survive. And so the Lord's Prayer now takes a very sharp transition. And now we begin to focus not on the majesty of God, the kingdom of heaven. Now we're transitioning to uh, our everyday needs, something like a bowl of cereal on a Monday morning as finals begin. And these next petitions, four, five, and six, we're only going to go through four today. Uh, but Martin, Lord, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says that these next three petitions, it covers every single need 
that any human can encounter. Because in petition number four, we get our physical need in our daily bread. And in petitions five, we have our spiritual need that we need forgiveness of sins and to walk rightly with God to be justified. And petition six, we need God's power to continue walking closely with God. So it's so masterful. In three short phrases, Jesus captures everything that any Christian could need in this life, both physically and spiritually. And so we're just going to go through petition number four today. So let's jump into that right now as we see that, Lord, we need you. Petition number four, verse 11. We move from behold our God to Lord, we need you. And this shows that uh, even everyday needs like water and oxygen, a bowl of cereal. God cares about that. Give us this day our daily bread. Now the word daily, I mean, it seems normal to us, but in the original language, it can actually be difficult to translate. Uh, Very difficult, in fact, but for the purpose of the sermon, it can be translated as for the coming day. Lord, give give us this day our bread for the coming day. And this might be confusing at first, but if you actually think about it, maybe it actually makes a lot of sense because if you're praying this prayer in the morning, you're thinking about um, the upcoming day and you're saying, God, give me what I need for the upcoming day. But let's say you're praying this prayer at night. You're saying, God, provide for me what I need for the next day. So whether you're praying this prayer in the morning or at night, it applies. It also means there's another meaning that the word daily can mean what's necessary for existence. What's necessary for existence. And this is important because we don't pray for riches or for the wants, but we pray for the needs of the day. One commentator says that uh, we pray out of our need and not of our greed. You don't need straight A's to be happy in life. You don't need the new PS5 or the new Super Smash Brothers, but you need food, you need water, you need a roof over your head, you need human uh, connection and friendships. And so we ask God for our needs. And this is to be done daily. We recognize that we need God every hour. And the word bread, Um, It doesn't mean just we can only ask for bread. That would kind of be a very limiting prayer. Uh, But it means whatever it's necessary to survive and get through the day. It could be water. It could be energy. It could be patience. It could be focus. Um, I know for me, this past week, or I've been sharing like during small groups or something that each day, I just need God's focus for that day. There's so many distractions. Like my phone's a distraction, YouTube, Instagram. And I wake up each morning. I'm like, God, I man, I, if it were just me on my own, I would be so distracted during the day. I would just be on my phone, reading sports articles, stuff like that, and eating and snacking throughout the day. The kitchen is so close uh, to my desk. And God, I just, give me focus. God, give me determination. I I want to be a good servant and to uh, prepare the sermon uh, for Unicoi, for you guys. And so God, please provide for me today. And so that's something I really pray about really often because I need that. I, I need that focus. I need God's help to uh, just to do well that day. Otherwise, I would just be distracted. And so giving this day our daily bread, we're 
as I said earlier, we're no longer focusing on the majesty of God, though that's primary, primary um, but now we're focusing on our everyday needs. And doesn't this show just how great of a God we worship? Yes, we live our lives for God's kingdom. We live our lives to do his will, but he actually really cares about our physical needs, how much sleep we got, our relationships with our family, a roof over our head, if a parent lost a job. We have a good father and he does care about your physical and spiritual needs. Let me share some application. So application for Lord, we need you and petition number four is as Americans, as Asian Americans, this is going to be very hard for us because we have, we live in a Western culture, even though we're Eastern or Asian, but there's a tendency to pride ourselves in self-sufficiency and independence. As humans, we don't like asking for help. Uh, Al Mohler in his book on the Lord's Prayer, he observes that in America, we really praise the self-made man. We, we imagine that person who pulls themselves up by the bootstraps, that uh, their independence, that they can fend for ourselves, that we climb the ladder of success on our own strength. But the reality is humanity, we are a really needy bunch. And Al Mohler in this book, he talks about how the moment babies are born, we need our parents to survive. We need the physical touch of mom and dad. Otherwise, we really will die if we don't have physical touch, if we're just raised by robots, we need that emotional connection. We have to learn how to be potty trained. We have to learn how to sleep. We are so needing, even as teenagers, even as adults, we need help. We need to be protected by the police and law enforcement. We need the government to keep us at peace. We need to eat every day. We need to drink water. We need to sleep. We need human connection. Otherwise, we will die without these things. Nobody is truly independent. And so the Lord's Prayer, it teaches us to be desperate, to be dependent on God, to give us our daily bread. So may we never forget how much we need God every day. <clears throat> Second application is, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, is pray out of your need, not out of your greed. Maybe you want a new pair of shoes. Maybe you want that PS5. Maybe you want, uh, my mind's blank. Maybe there's something you want. And maybe that's not a bad thing to ask God for, but the focus now in the Lord's prayer is to pray out of your need. If one of your parents lost their job and you are, your family's not getting enough financial income, that's a need. Otherwise, you'll be out on the streets. Pray to God to provide for you. Pray for things um, like simple things like even food on your plate, things that we take for granted so much. Pray for those everyday needs. Maybe there's somebody that you're having a hard time with relationally, that there's some conflict. Pray for patience. That is a need. You want to flourish as a citizen of heaven. And so you need God to be patient with this person. And with finals coming up, maybe it can be tempting to ask God for straight A's. And maybe in some ways, it's not bad to express your desires for God. But I want you to realize your personal happiness, it's not dependent on a letter on a piece of paper. Your happiness, your contentment, your joy is anchored in knowing that we worship God, our Father. 
And so we have to be able to distinguish between what we need um, and things that we ask for out of our greed. There's a big difference. And maybe thirdly, this is maybe very simple. <laughs> Commit to praying the Lord's Prayer every day. I was talking to one of our counselors and he said, yeah, I'm trying to pray the Lord's Prayer every day. And I thought, oh, wow, what a concept. As we learn about the Lord's Prayer, we definitely should pray this every day. And so as we're learning about the Lord's Prayer, I urge and encourage you to pray this every day. Yes, it's a corporate prayer. It's prayed as a church body, but it can also be applied to individuals. You can have, um, you can benefit a lot from praying this prayer on your own. And I want you to view it as a structure or a pattern. Don't think of it as something you have to necessarily say word for word every single time. That's, that's definitely good and fine. But let's say you say something like, um, uh, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. I mean, don't stop there, but continue talking. Talk about, let, these, let the words of scripture be a springboard to talk to God more. So it could be like, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. God, I really feel that, you know, my parents, mom or dad lost their job. God, I, now I'm, I'm worried. God, can you please uh, provide for my family? God, can you uh, take care of us? Cause I don't like it when my parents are fighting over money. Um, I want them to be okay. And I don't want to live on the streets. I, I want things to be okay. So God, can you just take care of me, my family? So what happened just now, like you, you prayed from scripture, but you allowed the scripture to lead you into a conversation with God. So that's what I say when see as a structure, but definitely see as a springboard to talk uh, and pray with God. Um, and so that's some application I want to leave you guys with uh, for this fourth petition. Here's my big idea for today. <clears throat> We pray to God, who is both our king, who will establish his everlasting kingdom, as well as our father, who provide our basic physical needs. The beauty of the Lord's Prayer is that we see how intimate we can be with God our Father. He is our heavenly father, but we also see God as our king, that he has an everlasting kingdom. It's invisible now, but when Jesus returns, that kingdom will be made visible that there will be a new heavens and a new earth that we will live in as Christians. And so give me about five more minutes and I'll bring the sermon to a close. But last week I ended by saying not everyone was allowed to call God father because not everyone here is saved. And I want to say something similar tonight. Not everyone here in Unicoi is part of God's kingdom. There are still some here today who is still part of man's kingdom. They may live for themselves. They have no interest in doing the will of God. If they do ask God for help, it's simply to improve their own life. God is simply nothing more than a vending machine. And I want to ask you, could that describe where you're at right now? Could some of you be living in opposition to God and his kingdom? Because this is really serious, guys. Don't let another second pass without considering where you truly stand before God. Because what if God answered our prayer? What if we prayed, God, I pray that your kingdom will come and Jesus actually returns and he judges and begins the final judgment? That's scary and dangerous. 
And so it's that it's for that very reason that Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Have you truly repented? Have you acknowledged that you are a sinner condemned to hell for your sins, but knowing that you're in need of a savior? And I know maybe when we talk about hell, we think that that makes out God to be an angry God, but consider John 3, 17, the verse right after one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Will you repent before God and confess and admit that you need a savior, that you need to cling to Jesus to, conf- to cover your sins? And that's the reason why every counselor here is here. We believe in the gospel message. We believe it is the greatest news in the world. And we want you to desperately believe it genuinely from your heart. So I first want to ask, are you saved? Are you part of God's kingdom? Now, there's another group of you. Maybe you are genuinely saved. Maybe you are genuinely part of God's kingdom. I want to encourage you to keep persevering in your faith. Keep living for the kingdom of God and doing his will. With things like finals coming up, with temptations to cheat, don't be afraid of what people think about you. Don't be afraid of man who can only kill the body but cannot kill a soul. Only fear God who can destroy both the soul and body. This church, this is your home base. Your church family, we're your family. And each week we hear from God's word, and this is to equip you, to strengthen you, so that you are sent out into the world to be a faithful representative of the kingdom to non-Christian friends and family, to your online friends that you meet playing video games to the fast food workers you see when you go to take out. Live as faithful representatives of God's kingdom. This can be scary, but that's why God will provide your physical needs. He's going to take care of you. So let's remain faithful until his kingdom is revealed in its full glory. Let me pray for us right now. God, I pray that... You will help us uh, to hallow your name, to treat your name as holy, and to seek your kingdom first. God, we ask that your kingdom would come here on earth. We ask that your will will be done here on earth. Change our hearts to love you as you loved us. And God, provide for us specifically in the ways that we are lacking. You know, our every single situation. You know the hurts we feel in our hearts that no one else knows. Provide for us, Lord. We need you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay.